Number four, build on strengths. Improve and expand what's working. I've often said that the genius of leadership is to find out what God is blessing and then do more of that. Because effective leaders find out what God is up to just slightly ahead of everybody else and they point the way. So we want to build on strengths. You know, in in most report forms, they always have a category that says what's not going as well as expected. You know, what are the problems? In the Western world, we seem to be really good at finding the problems. By the way, that's that's true everywhere, even not in just the Western world. You know what? Everywhere in the world I've traveled, I find out where it doesn't work. They'll say, that works in California, but that doesn't work anywhere else in the United States. That works in Korea, but it doesn't work in Japan. In Japan, they say, well, that works in Okinawa, which is part of Japan, but that doesn't work here, in real Japan. It works in Romania, but doesn't work in Hungary, and so on. Everywhere I've traveled, I found out it doesn't work, which, which reminds me of a Chinese proverb. I really like this one. This is perhaps my favorite piece of wisdom literature. The fortune cookie says, the one who says it cannot be done should not interrupt the one who is doing it. That's my favorite. So you want to find out what God is blessing. On report forms, you ought to have this category. What is going better than expected? What has surprised you on the positive side? Because that may give you some clues as to what it is God wants to do. I discover the Holy Spirit leaves us all sorts of, of, of clues as to what it is He intends to do by doing some things. And sometimes we stumble onto these things by accident. I remember one time, we, we, when we first started our church, we started our church on a Sunday night. And the first nine months of our church's existence, we did not have a Sunday morning service, we just had a Sunday night service, because that was the only place we could find to, to meet in. We discovered that Sunday night was probably one of the worst times in our community to try to get people to come out. So we finally found a place for Sunday morning. I found another church that was willing to let us come in, the, the meeting would be, we could have the church from 8.30 or to 9.25 and had to be gone by 9.40. So we could have a 55-minute service with a few minutes to talk to people and then had to clear out. I thought that was terrible. Nobody would want to get up to go to church at 8.30 in the morning in Southern California. Even Christians are not convinced that God is up at that hour. <laughs> But we really felt that, that, that God was calling us to a Sunday morning, so we decided to do it. When we moved to that time slot, our church began to grow for the first time in the history of the church. People started coming and they started staying. So I started talking to them and found out you know, what, what they liked and what was going on and all of this. And I made an amazing discovery. We were the only Protestant church in town that offered an early morning Sunday morning service. And we had numbers of people in our community that had to be at work by 10 o'clock in the morning on a Sunday. We don't have the same kind of laws that that you have about uh, Sunday shopping. We're just as materialistic on Sunday as any other day. In fact, And so they could come to church because they know we had to be done by 9.25. They could make it to work by 10 o'clock. And that's what made, made me realize that the church has organized itself to exclude many people. Because for the most part in the, in the United States, if you can't show up at Sunday morning at 11 o'clock, then you cannot connect with God. And someone would say, 
but if anybody does need to meet with God, that's when to do it. And yet there's people who have legitimate jobs that would make them miss Sunday morning. You could certainly argue whether the stores should be open or not, but certainly people want police and fire protection. Surely you want the hospitals to stay open on Sunday and not just sort of clear everybody out. And I find that Christians want restaurant people to work because they go to restaurants after church. And so I realized that there were people that were being excluded from the Christian faith because of a work schedule or even a lifestyle that excludes Sunday. And you say, well, that's not the way it should be. Yeah, but non-Christians don't have the Holy Spirit and they don't have Christian values. So from their perspective, it can be any way they want it to be. So do we tell these people that that um, you can't meet God unless you can come when we want to meet? That's when I first got the idea to have an alternative worship service. And I began to check it with my non-Christian friends. And they said, yeah, you know, that makes a lot of sense. You know, we've never figured out why you do church on Sunday. It seems like a very inconvenient time. I mean, it's right in the middle of the whole weekend. It breaks up everything. So a number of years later, we started a Friday night church. And we advertised in the, uh, in the paper, right on the sports page. And we got a number of Christians in our community mad at us. By the way, if you ever do good advertising, the good advertising will get the church community upset because then it will start connecting with the people you're trying to reach. We had a, uh, an ad right on the sports page that showed a couple of people walking away with skis over their shoulder. And the headline said, Come to Friday Night Church and enjoy the rest of your weekend. <laughs> God isn't frustrated by that stuff. See, try some new things. Don't get locked into your tradition. Let me ask you a question. If you knew you couldn't fail, what would you do for the glory of God? Paul said, I can do all things through him who gives me strength. See, the possibilities of what God wants to do through your life and through your ministry go far beyond your thinking. But we have to learn how to think outside the normal boundaries. There's a story told of, of, a, of a little baby elephant in the circus. And they had a little stake and a little chain on this elephant attached to the leg. And this elephant would, little baby elephant would go and try and walk this direction and get to the end of the chain and all of a sudden, and it couldn't go any farther. So it would go backwards and try the other way and get to the end of its chain and get stuck again. And eventually it would learn that it could go so far and no farther. And this elephant grows up to be a big elephant. And it still though has the same little stake in the ground with a chain attached to its leg. And the elephant never tries to escape, even though it is strong enough that it could rip that little stake right out of the ground and go wherever it wanted to go. But it never tries. Why? It has learned that it cannot escape. So even though it has the power to be able to escape, it does not escape because it doesn't think it can escape. What's the moral to that little story? You're chained if you think you are. What's holding you back? When I talk to most pastors and Christian leaders, the first thing that comes to their mind is all the reasons why it won't work and all the objections. And yet, if God commanded it, it must be possible. We must learn how to break out of the thinking that limits God. 
And very often we rule out things that God would want to do because we're unwilling to take a risk. We're unwilling to try. There was a survey done of 95-year-olds and they were asked this question. What would you do differently if you could live your life all over again? That's something I'd be interested to hear from somebody that lived for 95 years. They said three things. They would reflect more, they would risk more, and they would give their lives to that which lasts. That, folks, is great counsel. Reflect more, risk more, and give your lives to that which lasts. So we want to build on strengths. We want to find out what God is blessing and do more of that. We also need to be willing to eliminate programs and ministries that are no longer effective. This takes courage. The problem is not the total failure. The problem is yesterday's success. And yet, the programs that were successful yesterday may not be effective today. And yet, we continue on, on and on, perpetuating the past. Even though it's not helping us make more disciples, it's not helping us make better disciples, it's just the way we've been doing it for years. In the United States, we call these these things sacred cows. You understand the concept? Oh, that God would give us the grace to adopt this motto. It's a motto that we had in our church. Sacred cows make great hamburgers. (laughs) And every once in a while, we need to take an ineffective program and kill it. Celebrate the success of the past but free up people and resources to invest it in what will count. See, as leaders, we have a stewardship. And we only have a limited number of resources of people and of money and other things. And as leaders, we'll be responsible before God for the stewardship of how we used what he gave to us. And I want God to say to me, well done, good and faithful servant. I know you want to hear that from him as well. And my challenge to you is that some of you need to take a hard look at some of the things you're doing and ask the question, is this really producing more and better disciples? Is it really helping us accomplish the purpose of the church? Those are hard questions. But this is a very spiritual process. Because you're trying to find out what God wants you to do and then do it. Ask yourself the question, Jesus, if you could have total control in this church and in my life, what would you want to do? There's great things, I think, that God can do in and through you. I believe in your capacity to hear from God. And I believe that you have the heart to want to lovingly obey what God tells you to do. If I didn't believe that, I would not be here. Because I wouldn't want to waste my time. Nor would I want to waste your time. But I believe that we are here this week because God wants to do something special in each one of our lives. And so I challenge you to prayerfully think about these things and and to have the courage to respond to the promptings that you sense God is asking you to do. 